I memorized the Quran when I was 10 years old. Only 1% of scholars in his field managed to find work doing dawah in the West. Sheikh Hala has received nationwide recognition through a Medal of the Order of Australia for his service, Community Harmony. He has found great success engaging the youth through soccer and the wider Australian community through open mosques. أعوذ بالله الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على سيد المسلم محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. We would like to thank all our viewers and uh, all the subscribers that have subscribed to the channel. Alhamdulillah, we've hit amazing milestones and we would love for you guys, please, not to forget to subscribe and like uh, on this channel. Uh, Subhanallah, today we are very, very blessed to have an amazing brother with us. And honored, honored, and honored, honored to have uh, Sheikh Alaa with us here, who is uh, has a, got an amazing journey, an amazing thank success you, story for, for him to share with us. And uh, and I, I just want to start the podcast today in a different way. And I'm going to ask you like, uh, quite a confronting question is that um, from my understanding that uh, there, there was a few different thoughts in your head uh, what you wanted to be. When was that moment that you decided to be a sheikh? When did you truly believe in yourself that, you know what, I am going to be a sheikh one day, inshallah. Yes, inshallah. Uh, alaikum wa wabarakatuh. And uh, thank you so much to my beloved Safi brothers. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you for this great Allah podcast Allah that I'm sure is um, a great inspiration for our Muslim community, not only here in Australia, but in many um, Western countries and around the world. Uh, alhamdulillah, yani, I um, started that moment of thinking of being a sheikh when I was working um, and studying hard to become an engineer. Wow. And I was I was already uh, half of the Quran. I memorized the Quran when I was 10 years old. And um, I was working on becoming a successful engineer in our community because many of my family members are engineers and they inspired me to take that journey of engineering. And subhanAllah, when I finished year 12, I just missed engineering by uh, 0.5. Allahu Akbar. So um, we, my, my parents uh, met a person and said, your son is a memorizer of the Quran, is a half of the Quran, he's got a good voice. I was leading prayer at uh, the masajid in, in my small city in Egypt. And then they said, if Allah is uh, putting that course of Islamic studies in English, it is a special course in Al-Azhar University that is qualifying imams to be in Western countries. Wow. And there is, a, there is a big need of um, imams that, that are speaking the language of Western countries so that they can help Muslims, they are non-Muslims, to refute a lot of misconceptions about Islam. So I started uh, thinking about what Islam says about non-Muslims. That made me oh. even explore that and, and, and read more about what Islam says about non-Muslims and how Islam was a message that is not only sent to Muslims, but also our non-Muslim brothers and sisters. There are some imams that are working in the masajid. They have done a great job. But I wanted to focus more in relationships because you know that there are topics that the Western world have misunderstood about Islam, especially when it comes to treating women in Islam and the ahkam of women in Islam, the hijab, the niqab, and also relationships. You know, after September 11, there has been a major change in the way that the Western world is dealing with Muslims. Mm. There has been so many hardships that the Muslim imams are even dealing with. So what is the um, goal that I can achieve to be part of a change, a positive change in the views of our non-Muslim brothers and sisters that are living in harmony with us? When was that moment where you decided 
that's it. This is my life focus. I'm going to be an imam. Yeah. Was there that light bulb moment <clears throat> that you had? Can you how, sort of how, take old us there? You, how old were you then? 19, 20? Uh, I was 17. 17? 17. When September 11 happened, I started even reading more about the verses that are talking about jihad and the ahkam of wars in Islam. And then um, I started to um, see what Islam says about relationships with non-Muslims. And how can we put that in action when it comes to our relationship with our non-Muslim brothers and sisters? And when I entered my course, as I said, it's it's, it's very different in terms of uh, the 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 the, the, um, the uh, books that we study and the ahkam that we study is it's mainly about the Muslims that are living as minorities in Western countries. Mm-hmm. I said I missed engineering. I was not even interested in doing that course. But Subhanallah, sometimes Allah Subhanahu wa Taala plans to put you in a certain area to serve the message of Islam to serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his religion and in fact when we are put in that path we're not only serving Islam and serving Allah we are serving the main purpose of being human beings because when we share that message of Islam with our non-Muslim brothers and sisters it's a message of humanity it's a message of values and then when they know about that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not only reward us for sharing the message of Islam but also getting people to know about him as well and his religion so I started thinking of that course seriously I started saying to myself, why not? Why? Um, what was it? What was it that grabbed you? Like, serious? Because after that shock of missing engineering, I started saying, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put me in, 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 in that place and I have, to, um, I have to excel in it. I have to take advantage of the Quran that I have memorized. I always read that the Prophet sallallahu even used to send sahaba to read Quran to the people of Quraysh just to listen to the beauty of the words of Quran. And then if Allah takes me to a non-Muslim country one day, that was my passion. I even aimed, before even knowing that I can go to a non-Muslim country to be an imam there and talk about Islam there, I even wanted to share the message of Islam with non-Muslims. We've done that in Egypt. We have Muslims and Christians that are living together in harmony in Egypt. And we've always shown our non-Muslim and Christian neighbors the beauty of Islam when it comes to relationships with them, when it comes to treating them, when it comes to kindness and sharing food and meals with them. And I said, I need to do that on a larger level by sharing that message with the Western world that I hope one day they will listen to my Quran, they will listen to the wisdom of Islam, they will hear about the the values of Islam that we practice here in Muslim countries. We, as young people, we are passionate to be one of those you know, famous people that have authority <laughs> to be a celebrity, like a soccer player that everyone is taking photos with them, yeah. or to be like a, a, a person that everyone knows and, and waiting for them to sign autographs for them, <laughs> or to be um, a, a soccer player or, or, or a famous uh, army officer or police officer. That was the passion. And, so. and, 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 and we have not even focused sometimes on, on promoting for other places of work or other uh, professional uh, jobs that can be beneficial to the community as well as these jobs. Amen. So um, uh, my father used to make dua, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala use you in his path always. And I never heard my father saying, may Allah give you what you want. He always said to me, may Allah put you in his path. May mm. Allah use you in what is pleasing him. Good dua. And um, mm. after, my, after I came to Australia and I have known the change that I have done in the hearts of many Muslims and non-Muslims, and mainly our non-Muslim brothers and sisters, when they have known about the message of Islam, I said, if I was, if I became an army officer by then, I might not have the chance to come to Australia and become a person of a change in the hearts of Muslims and non-Muslims, knowing about the values and the great message of Islam. How many people have come to open days of our mosque? 
how many people have come with wrong misconceptions about Islam and they left knowing that Islam is a great religion that has values and that changed a lot of views about Islam. That's why I always believe that uh, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala plans for us, we have to trust the plan of Allah if we missed something that mm. we wanted to be in one day. Amen. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses us in a different path, in a different area of work and knowledge. We have to accept the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with satisfaction. And we think positively rather than regretting what we missed, we focus on how to be or to have an impact in the area that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put in, in our life. And definitely there's a wisdom of the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always. Uh, what, what age what age did you start learning Quran at that youth? And did you always have the love for the deen? So in, in, in Egypt, always there's halakat of Quran for young people. And my father took me to um, different kindergartens where the kids are playing. Subhanallah, he told me that every time I take it to that place, to play with the toys and the games, you cry. Until I took you to the mosque to pray one day, I was with him. We went to one of the kindergartens and, and I did not like the atmosphere there. I cried. I, wanted, I told him to take me out of that. And then he said, when we're coming, I feel so disappointed that you're not accepting any of them. And he does not know the reason. So he took me to the Quran, to, to, to the mosque to pray Asr. And we saw a halaqah of Quran and he saw me going to sit with the kids Allah. who are starting to read Quran there. He said, I even stood back and I watched, if you will, as soon as they start reading or the sheikh comes, you may be scared as you are from the kindergarten and you would leave. But he actually stayed and he started looking at the kids reading Quran. And from then I was enrolled in that halaqah and that oh. circle of Quran. <laughs> I started from there with my sheikh, Sheikh Abdul Salam, I still remember his name. And my father didn't even, my father was working in the Ministry of Youth and Sports. Mm. He did not come is, from is that, that background. Soccer, is that where the soccer yes. love, love comes from? <laughs> <laughs> I always went with my father, Allah Arhamu, to um, soccer events. And I had that, um, uh, you know, love for soccer and sports because that was my father's career. SubhanAllah. And um, he didn't even know that I, I would become like that one day. And from there, I started with my sheikh at the age of four. And my mom, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, was saying, my mom was not even a memorizer of the Qur'an. She's now teaching the Qira'at of the Qur'an. Allah. She's a teacher of the Qira'at of Qur'an and the te- she's a memorizer of the Qur'an. Subhanallah, Allah. she, with me, when I was memorizing, she used to tell me, you go to your room, she's reading, reading the page to me that my sheikh read to me, she's reading that page with me, she, t- she puts me in my room, and she says, you're going to memorize your page and you get out of that room to be tested in that. At the same time, she's outside memorizing the page. Allah. So we finished the Quran together. Subhanallah. And from that time, even my mom, she finished some um, economical studies. From that time, she's all, she also started to become a sheikha of the Quran. <laughs> That's when she was memorizing with me. After she memorized um, almost half of the Quran, she was enrolled in Ma'hadul Qur'at. She joined and she learned Tajweed, all the Tajweed and the seven Qur'at of Quran. And she graduated from that and she became a Qira'at and Qur'an teacher now in Al-Azhar Institutes and the Qira'at Institutes in wow. Egypt. So subhanAllah, how, how Allah is, is, is putting you in, in, in a place or an area or some knowledge that he plans for you to start from there. Yeah. My mom did not even plan for that. She how, did not how, even plan. how many? 
How many kids? We are three. <clears throat> Alhamdulillah, all of us. All of us have father of the Quran. Wow, my brother, my oldest? sister. Are you the oldest? I'm the oldest one of them. Oh, you you my, copped all the beating. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it, it happens sometimes when they're memorizing because every day you have to memorize one page of the Quran. Wow. Yes, and um, I, I, Alhamdulillah, finished the Quran that way. Every How day old were you when you finished? I finished when I was 10 years old. 10. Ten. Yes. Yeah. Six years, so yes. from four till 10. Yes. Uh, I started... You know the 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 um, like the serious journey that I took with Quran from from the age of five. That for a year from four to five, I was just navigating that yeah, way yeah. of of the halakat yeah. of Quran, sitting with the family, and also the importance of the role of the family. It's mainly for my family, actually. Inshallah. I finished the Quran. Even it was a subject in Al Azhar Institute that we would finish the whole Quran, but I finished the whole Quran with my mom before even. I finished it in Al-Azhar Institute. Amazing. Yes, and that took me when I started my journey with with uh, being an imam or a sheikh with Islamic studies. And Quran is definitely one of, one of the main keys to do that because you know what Allah says. Yeah, I mean. You know the message of Allah. You read it and you reflect upon it. So I started straight after I finished the whole Quran. I started Allah. my ijazah of tajweed. And at the age of 10, my father used to tell me with, uh, used to sit with me. That's my father's job. That memorizing was my mother's job. And knowing the meaning was my father's job. He Allah. used to sit with me Allah. and tells me, uh, Surah Al-Fil, for example, and he gets a tafsir of the Quran and he reads it to me. And he explains it to me in a simple way that is going to be suitable for my age. So he used to tell me the tafsir of the ayat. And when he told me at the start the stories of the Quran, I was so passionate to read about the other stories of the prophets. He got me the series of Qasas Al-Anbiya, the stories wow. of prophets. And I started from there. So you now you have a big knowledge about the stories of the Quran, and then you are ready to explore more books about the tafsir of the Quran. So um, that was a good um, thing to start with. Also, the stories is something that is attracting young people to listen to. Yeah, right. And from so. there, you can know about the rest of the tafsir of the Quran. And subhanAllah, I've read that about Imam Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, when he said that when you teach your son the Quran, the Quran will protect him. You know, my brothers Ahmed and Ibrahim, I, I, I always put in my mind that I have to honor the book of Allah by not participating in like silly things to be done by young people. Mm. I have been always reminded by Sheikh and my parents, you know, you honor what you are holding of Quran. The Quran is the book of, of Allah, you have to honor it. And the Quran Allah. is protecting you. And you always keep in your mind when you are with your the people of your age that may do like a silly thing, of, of these um, uh, acts of, of young people and, and youth, you say, I don't, want, I don't want someone to say, look at the half of the Quran and what mm. he does. Mm. So that is actually, I understood that when I grew up. So from that time, I've, I've, I, I was always reminded to uh, honor the book of Allah in my behavior, in what I say and the way I deal with people. Wow. And that's why the Quran becomes a protection. Can you give us a story of, of a situation <clears throat> in high school, maybe t- some temptations, some you know things happened and you said to yourself, this is not where I should be. This is Look, just a basic thing like this. Some of my friends used to go to weddings of an elder brother, like my friends, one of their brothers or sisters are getting married. Mm. They go to the wedding and everybody's standing and <laughs> dancing and celebrating. You know, as a young person, I always wanted to be part of that. I wanted to celebrate. I wanted to share with them, holding the hands of, of my <laughs> young brothers with me and all just jumping up and down and dancing and the celebrating. Dab, the dabke. Yes, the dabke. <laughs> uh, but I said, no, I, 
as a memoirs of Quran, I shouldn't do that. Wow. And it was really hard. It's not easy wow. because, look, the normal nature of a young person is to do like the, the, the things that young people do. But to withhold yourself from doing that with the purpose of honoring the book of Allah. Allah. I wouldn't even think of Allah and what people would think about him as much as I always put in my mind. I don't want to do that because Allah is a half of the Quran. I don't want them to say, look what the half of the Quran is doing. Amazing. So Amazing. I always put that in my mind with the, 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 um, like the, 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 the feeling that I wanted to be part of that. And this is uh, Ahmed and Ibrahim. This is our nature. Sometimes we focus on, on why young people do things rather than giving them the excuse of doing th- things in a certain time of their life and age and even dealing with youth on a larger scale when they do mistakes. And we do not um, ask why they did and what are the things that made them fall in that path of the wrong, of the mistakes, rather than just sometimes judging and asking why this happened and that happened. And of course, um, providing the solution or the support is one of the important things to do. So I always uh, wanted to do things as a young person, and I know that this is the nature of young people to do, but I had that concept that may not be there. It's amazing how different people use different <coughs> things, yeah. and and that was that was that was your sort of yeah. guide and, and, and your focal point. Wasn't w- it? Would you give some advice some some young men now, and using that tool <coughs> of the Quran because like and we've always had this conversation with our youth is mm. pray, yeah, just pray. Whatever you're doing in your life, doesn't matter what where you are in your life, yeah. pray. Have that connection, yeah, because. That's what it does. It actually is. It's a thing that stops you, your heart, you know, from doing these harams that you might be falling. Do you also advise our brothers and sisters to attach themselves to the can, even if it's like, like today I mentored a young boy, and subhanAllah, we we, we went through social media 82 hours. Wallahi, 82 hours. And I said to him as, as, a, as, a, as a gesture, I go, yeah. you don't pray, don't you? Yeah. And he goes, how did you know? Yeah. I go, 92 hours That's of TikTok yes. and yes. Snap. Yes. <laughs> it was yeah. the five minutes there. You know? yeah. That's, yeah. That's two full-time yeah. jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Helping young people to establish the goal. And after they reach it, there should be another goal that they can work on. Mm. That's why we're not, on, we're not only aiming to pray, but also to know why we pray and help others to pray. Establishing goals is always something that is engaging young people to continue and believe more and more in what they do. What they do. Mm. The, 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 the journey of education does not, even, does not finish. Amen. You will continue always to in that journey of education and seeking knowledge always. So after you become an imam, even for us as imams in Western countries, there is hardly um, you know, resources that you can get information from. And you think because of the sacred sentence that you live with, calling the sheikh for divorces, for marriages, for problems here and there, you don't even have time to add to yourself. If an imam is trapped (coughs) by that and does not have a time to self-improve themselves, it's going to be very hard to even feel the message that you have. How many imams have got depression? So are you. How many imams have have got even um, through that mental health path and they have a lot of... I've known some of them that even pulled out from from the whole field because of what they go through. So the balance of adding to yourself as much as you give, imams have to deal with a lot and you have to give yourself. That's why we always advise to have that time of, you know, spiritual connection with Allah that you need to have as an imam, as a father, as as a brother, as a young person. We always have to have that connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala away from social media and everything 
and we dedicate that time to for our spiritual yeah. connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So goals have always... Um, but I think also there. there's another point that I think I've noticed is that we fail to celebrate our success. Yeah. Yeah. I think us as Muslims, we, yeah. we we have a big, big failure of exactly achieving yeah. some amazing milestones, exactly. yeah. but we do not celebrate. I see in that area of celebrating and you know highlighting the achievements of young Muslims. Alhamdulillah, we have the Muslim Achievement Award. That yeah. is the, even as parents, celebrating young Muslims. You know, I've always um, uh, analyzed things in a deep way because we are in Western countries. Some, some families say, I, in my son's or daughter's birthday, I got a cake, we came together, we had a discussion about the future plans. So how to turn something that is may may not be aligning with the Islamic rules into becoming an Islamic thing. Mm. So it becomes an Islamic thing when you That's come right. together as a family having or marking the birthday of every child that we have yeah. to a day of setting up goals. Yeah. Look, <clears throat> we're going to be coming together putting that cake to put the goals of next year. Yeah, we're going to come together as a family and we are, we tell you what, all week, agree together on goals that we need to achieve together yeah. as a family. Celebrating that and, and, and also celebrating the achievements of young people and Muslims in particular because we have a lot of people that are achieving a lot. Mashallah. And that's yeah, why Mashallah. I even encourage, <clears throat> encourage, even there are awards and so many things here in the country that we need to be part of that. Yes. We we do not take that as as a favor, but it is a right yeah. to highlight what Muslims are contributing, especially in, in in our country now when that is something that that is showing what Muslims are doing. When we talk about the history of Muslims in Australia, we always talk about the Makassar Muslims, the Indonesian Muslims that mix with the Aboriginal people. Mm. How would we know that if that wasn't recorded? Yes. And awards and celebrating and and, and highlighting the achievements is one of the main ways to record and inspire other people as well. Alhamdulillah, we have Muslims that are contributing to the country in a great way. Mm -hmm. And the more we are highlighting and, and celebrating what yeah. they do and their success in Australia. I've been yeah. here, alhamdulillah, like um, for nine years now. Nine years. And take, you to, <coughs> take us through the uh, celebrations. <laughs> Look, how many, uh, how many I, I always talk about Muslim examples in Western countries. I've, I've, one day I've made a khutbah about this. This is the name of the research. It's a 20-page research about even people that are not scholars. Every person, Ibrahim and Ahmed, that are excelling in the area of work and knowledge can be a Muslim that is making a contribution and making a change, positive change in the community. I mean, you don't have to be a sheikh or imam. Yeah, 100%. That um, research was by Cambridge Uni about Muhammad Salah. And it is talking about how Muhammad Salah, since he joined Liverpool Soccer Club, how he became a reason for prejudice and hate against Muslims to reduce. SubhanAllah. They said that <clears throat> Muhammad Salah, since he joined the city of Liverpool or the so Liverpool soccer club, he's living there, of course, in Liverpool, 15% of hate um, attacks on Muslims on the ground, away from social media, have been reduced. Wow. And 50% or 40% of online attacks on Muslims have been reduced. Wow, Just because of Muhammad Salah, it's a 20-page research. And the, 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 the main... Um, or the topic of the research is how can celebrities or engagement with celebrities reduce the uh, rate of prejudice and hate? And it's using Muhammad Salah as, as a study case. Subhanallah. 20 pages. And even they talk about in the research about the songs that the Liverpool fans are singing about Muhammad Salah. Yeah, uh, if he scores more goals, I would like to be a Muslim too. <laughs> and even some kids in Liverpool that are not Muslims, when Muhammad Salah scores a goal, they go and they celebrate and they make sujood on the, on the ground. <laughs> so how 
Muhammad Salah became an example of a Muslim that is participating and contributing to minimize Islamophobia and hate towards Muslims. Wow. So everybody can do that. We all can do that. You don't wait for an imam or a sheikh. He could be even doing more than the imam or the, or the sheikh, fighting against Islamophobia and any type of hate in our community through being a successful Muslim in what you do. Amen. I have known doctors, soccer players. I've known so many people, Bashar al-Hawli as an example, <clears throat> that has done a lot. You know, because of Bashar, people started looking at the beard of the Muslim. Yeah. And, and and not not dealing with that as a, as a terrorist Muslim anymore. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Bashar right. has become the reason for many Muslims to have um, musallas. One of them is at the MCG yes. when we have a musalla yeah. for Muslims yeah. to go to pray at. So uh, <clears throat> any person that is excelling in the field of work and connecting that to Islam and the Islamic values would be definitely one of the main reasons for us to have a a a a, a good value that is put in action. In yeah. Australia and Western countries. So, inshallah, just uh, coming back to your Azhar now, you've decided to do the uh, Western course slash Dawa course. Uh, take us through that journey. Why Australia? Why not UK? Why not mm. Canada? Why not the US? Okay. What brings you to down under? Very good. So, um, my course was at uh, Al Azhar University, Islamic Studies in English. And subhanAllah, yani, Egypt is one of the countries that is learning a lot of English courses, but we never spoke. And that is also one of the challenges <clears throat> or one of the things that I've always put in my mind as a target. How to, you know, the Egyptian accent is, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit funny when you have English and, and especially dealing with young people. I didn't know that until I came here and I worked at a school and how young people could pick on like very small things that we may not pay attention to sometimes. So uh, when I was doing the Islamic Studies course in English and uh, <clears throat> we used to have a lot of teachers coming from Western countries. Even I had one of my teachers, may Allah have mercy on him, was a priest in Vatican. Wow. Named himself Idris Tawfiq. Idris Tawfiq was a priest in Vatican. His story is very famous. He passed away a few years ago, may Allah have mercy on him. He was a priest in Vatican that came with a group of priests to Egypt. And when he was in one of the uh, like um, streets of Egypt, he's passing by a, a young boy. You know, when you go in Egypt and you walk there, you'll find a lot of people selling things in the streets, some people polishing shoes. And that little <clears throat> kid that is polishing the shoes of people, Idris Tawfiq passed by him as a priest. And that young boy, you know, they teach young people techniques of, attra uh, you know, attracting people's attention to them. So he kept saying, Assalamu Alaikum to that group because they were, they were dressing uh, religiously. Oh. So that young boy started saying, Salam alaikum, trying to get them to polish the shoes with, with him. And Idris Tawfiq, when he talks about his story that is uh, on social media, he said, I, I, I asked the group that is with me, what is this boy saying? What is he trying to say to us? So they told him he's saying the greeting of Islam to you. And he started from there to search about the greeting of Islam, what is peace in Islam? That oh. little kid that was polishing shoes, that never even knows the impact of his words that he's going to say for a few seconds on a priest from Vatican Allah. that made him become a Muslim one day. We do not belittle something that we do and something that we say in a situation that we may not know the impact of that word or that little action that we do with a non-Muslim person after a few years. Allah. That young boy doesn't even know that Idris Tawfiq became a Muslim because of him. Allah. So he searched, Assalamu alaikum, the greeting of peace in Islam. 
converted to Islam as a priest in Vatican, named himself Idris Tawfiq. <laughs> became a teacher in Al-Azhar University in Egypt, coming from, from the UK. He was teaching us Muslim converts and some statistics and facts about them and how to keep them engaged. Allah. The best of the best, yeah. Idris Tawfiq visited more than 100, uh, more than 100 embassies and cons uh, consulates. He used to go with like um, a treat of chocolate to the ambassador of the consul general of any country, especially non-Muslim countries. He's asking, he's asking the ambassador of the consul general to taste chocolate. How do you taste it? Very nice and sweet. And then he says, that's how I tested Islam as, as, as a priest. And I became a Muslim when I tasted the flavor of Islam and I searched about what Islam is. That was his mission until he passed away. More than 120 embassies and, and consulates around the world. He was teaching us reading. How long was he a teacher for? He taught in Al-Azhar. He stayed in Egypt for seven years. Subhanallah. Seven years. That was his journey with Islam until he passed away. Allah. And the impact of that man, not only that, Idris Tawfiq, see the targets and the goals. He decided to research about the, uh, to, to search about the mosques in, 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 in Cairo and the, the, the Islamic you know, decoration. And as soon as I entered his first lecture, he said to me, hey, you tall man, where are you from? I said, I'm from a city close to Alexandria. He said, okay, the famous mosques in your place that are having a special thing about their design is that mosque, and he named it to me. I, I, I never even knew that piece of information about the mosque that I've been going to for many years. Wow. That it was one of the places, and he tells you how many PhDs, and he was, I was even shocked and surprised to know that the number of PhDs that have been done about the decoration and the Islamic architect in mosques by Western countries are more than the PhDs and researchers that are done by Muslims about these mosques. So he tells you, every single student that is coming to his lecture, the first question he asks, where are you from? These are the most important mosques in your place, in your area, in your city. So that's the target of that man. In addition to teaching us really, he used to analyze. And I remember that. Uh, article he was writing for the Egyptian Gazette newspaper and I remember the article that really resonated a lot with me as a young man that is always looking for like um, high status and money and being rich and having my car and my <laughs> I read that article that he wrote one day and he was teaching us that article about Muhammad Ali Basha in Egypt from the Ottoman uh, the Turkish um, yes. ruler of Egypt you know we have the palace of Muhammad Ali in Egypt it's a massive it's now they turned it into a university in Egypt. That's how big it is. Oh, it's a university now. Wow. So um, that place of Muhammad Ali uh, was a place for Muhammad Ali to be away from the noise of Cairo and the, 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 the number of people that were there. He used to rest over there. That was his place to rest. So Muhammad Ali, he says, he wrote the article and what, what Muhammad Ali has done in that palace and how many luxurious things he used to have in that palace. But he said in the end of the article, Muhammad Ali passed away and he left. Muhammad Ali did not take anything from what he had except his good deeds in life. No matter what you have in life, you will leave it and you leave all what you have owned. From that time that I read the article, also everything about me changed in terms of my goals. It's not about money. Muhammad Ali left everything, every luxurious thing that he had in his life. And that was just because of the article that was studied with that man. In addition to, of course, many lessons that we uh, studied from him. Mm. So again, small thing that we may do or say one day to young people and to a person in this life 
we could have an outcome of it that we may not be aware of, but it could make a big change in the lives of people. Idris Tawfiq, because of that little kid one day, went to more than 120 consulates, spoke to the consuls and the ambassadors to tell them about his journey of Islam, and he became a teacher in one of the prominent universities of Islamic studies like that was uh, teaching you. He was teaching us. Subhanallah. Because of that little kid that I didn't even know that he was a reason <laughs> for him to become a Muslim. Hasanat, this little kid got on the, on the journey. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. So I, um, I finished that course and I started being more passionate about joining um, the field of da'wah in a Western country, in a non-Muslim country. Because my course, as I said, was about the rulings of Muslims living. We have two courses in Egypt. One is for the Egyptian imams working in the Islamic field in Egypt as a Muslim country or any Muslim country or the course of da'wah and Islam to, for imams that are working in non-Muslim countries. And this is very challenging because sometimes to have an opportunity, when I came to Australia, I knew how this happens, how to get an imam here. Sometimes every community sticks to the imam. Mm. Yeah. Turkish community would like to have a Turkish imam. <laughs> Bosnian community would like to have a Bosnian imam. Egyptian community would like to have an Egyptian imam. So I did not know that. And I was always passionate. And believe it or not, just three of 60 imams that graduated from that course joined the Islamic field of da'wah in Western countries. Wow. Three of the 60? Yes. And we entered that course with 300 people. 300. Wow. And then they kept doing tests and exams for us about the memorization of Quran, about even um, being qualified to do that course in terms of the Islamic knowledge that you have back then before you enter the course. So they kept testing us and minimizing the number and, until we finished the course as 60 people that graduated from that. From course. 300? From 300. 60 and three, only three. My friends that are working uh, or, uh, in the field of da'wah in Western countries are only three imams. Allah. And this is something that is really hard, you know, to, um, you have a lot of efforts during that course. And you have a lot of teachers that are coming from Western countries and a lot of researches that have been done. But to get three imams to come to Western countries is, 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 is really hard. I had, I had before an invitation from Germany. Germany yeah. was your first offer. was my first <laughs> offer. When I was in Saudi, I worked in the Islamic field in Saudi for one year. Oh, so you went to Saudi? Yes. I worked there in the Islamic Why? field for one year. It was, uh, was through one of the organizations, Al-Hayat Al-Alamiyya, the Tahfidh Al-Quran. They had a few programs there for new Muslims, teaching them about Islam. Were you married at this stage? No. No, still still single? No. This is the first year after I graduated. This from. is the first time you've traveled? First year. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, for first time I traveled. I traveled before in 2009 when I got the International Quran competition from Tunisia. Yeah, in 2009. That was my second time to go overseas. Hello. So I went there and um, I worked in that field of da'wah for one year, courses of Islam to non-Muslims and teaching them Quran. In Saudi? In Saudi. For one year. How was that experience? Was very good experience, but I still deal with them online. All online? All then. online. There's a lot of things that you're not aware of about their life. Sometimes their mothers used to come or used to be in the background. You can hear that there's some non-Muslim fans are sitting and they're listening mm. to the journey of their son or their daughter embracing Islam. Oh, wow. And you wouldn't know the impact of a supportive family to a man or a woman that are embracing Islam and how that plays an important role in their life when they have their family supporting their journey with Islam. I didn't know all of that until I became here. Allah so Allah. I got that offer when I was there to go to lead the Taraweeh prayer in Germany. And, um, you know, for the visa processing and the invitation, and it took time, so I missed that opportunity. 
And I said in my Hajj in that year, Ya Allah, put me in the right place that I would like to share my message of Islam that I studied in Azhar with the non-Muslim communities. I've been doing that, but I would like to do it on a larger level. Mm. The third day, I made dua, the third day of Al-Jamarat, stoning the shaitan of Hajj. I got a message from Al-Siddiq Mosque here well, on Facebook. And uh, the story behind me coming, there's a sheikh here called Sheikh Abdul Nasser. Yes. Egyptian sheikh. Allah barik fi him. Allah barik fi Allah. MashaAllah. Sheikh Abdul Nasser was the reason for me to get married. <laughs> he introduced my wife to me because she was his student. And she was memorizing the Quran with him and she was his student at the school. And he was the reason for me to come here. I was going one day to play soccer with my friends at night. Sheikh Abdul Nasser was coming for a visit. I never heard anything about him. I don't know him. You don't know him? I don't know him. No connection? No connection. No family connection? No. Nothing? My mother is teaching his uh, sister-in-law. Quran. Quran. Allah. She goes to a halaqa of women at her house. She's teaching his brother's wife, Quran, with a group of ladies. And she knew about my studies. And my mother always told them, if anyone has an opportunity for Allah to work, and they always share that. <laughs> so on that night, she said, uh, Sheikh Abdul Nasser, my husband's brother, is coming from Australia. I never knew anything about this country. I never even, I studied Australia once in grade six about the kangaroos. That's all what I know. <laughs> about, I don't mean. even know where it is, <laughs> what language they talk, what are they doing there. I don't know anything about Australia. Nothing. Nothing. Literally nothing. Just Allah. the kangaroos is what they have. And that was in grade six. So on that night, my mother told me, because I spoke to many people, and my passion as a person that wants to work in Western countries was almost gone. Mm, I'm not thinking of it anymore. And I even applied uh, through the Ministry of Islamic Affairs, Al-Awqaf in Egypt, to be an imam there. I got the job, and that was it. I started you know, adapting with the situation, but the dream never left my heart. Sometimes you give up. Sometimes you feel disappointed. Sometimes you feel that, or sometimes you lose hope. Mm. But the dream is always there. I was sending hundreds of uh, recitations and resumes to my to, to the Western um, countries and the Islamic uh, centers of there and the mosques. Subhanallah. And I keep waiting and I check my email every. But you night. never sent it to Sadiq. I never, never sent it to Sadiq. <laughs> <laughs> I never. I never. And I sent in Germany. I studied a bit of German as well when I was uh, at university as a second language. And I sent to American, British, Canadian, all the Western world that you can imagine. No response? No response. None whatsoever? No one, except from that German mosque. Allah. From that mosque in Germany, yeah. So, and that it came to me in, when I was in Saudi, and it didn't work. Didn't work. Because too, of the visa processing and, and the requirements, yes. So that night, my mom told me, when I almost like lost hope in joining the field of da'wah in Western countries, my mom said to me, Ala, Take your resume to that sheikh that, that has come from Australia. I said, Mom, don't worry about it. No one is doing anything. <laughs> I sent hundreds of resumes to people and no one is doing anything. He said, You're not losing anything. You're going down to play your soccer game anyway. Just pass him. I said, No, sorry. I don't have time. I have my game starting in 10 minutes and I have to go there. Allah. He said, Basiyah, kalam. Yani, listen to me and go to it. I said, Hadar, I'll go. I went to that place. I never went to that house before. I just knocked on the door. Salam alaikum. Sheikh Abn Nasser here. Yes, please give him this. Salam alaikum. Ya Allah. That's it. And it was the sister 
that mom is teaching Quran. Sheikh Abdul Nasser's um, uh, sister-in-law. And Sheikh Abdul Nasser heard what I'm saying to her. This is my resume. I give it to Sheikh Abdul Nasser. So he came. And he said, Bas ta'ala, come. Yani, I need to sit with you. <laughs> and I sat with him and I spoke in, in, a, in a way that, like a person that is hopeless, said Sheikh, applied to many people. I went to people here that even have connections to some um, Islamic centers in the Western world. I had no response. So this is my resume, as my mom told me. And if he can do something for me, uh, thank you. He started having a conversation with me. Why would you like to join there? Wow. Read some Quran to me. Sheikh Abdul Nasser has a lot of experience and mashallah, he knows well what the non-Muslim world requires. Yes, yeah. yes. He's, he's ground roots. He's <clears throat> yeah. ground, very ground roots. Yeah. Also with the youth, mashallah. Yeah. So he, he, he had like an interview with me. And back then he was doing his PhD as well. So <clears throat> he's an academic person and he asked me a lot of questions. It took me one hour. I forgot my, about my soccer game. I didn't go on that night. But that was the start. Allah. Sheikh Abdul Nasser came to Australia and, give, and gave my resume to El Sadiq Mosque. I heard from them after a few months. That was the third day of Jamarat of Hajj. Oh, wow. I got a message on Facebook that says, we got your resume from Sheikh Abdul Nasser and we would like to have an interview with you. But you need to know this. We are, we've been interviewing imams from South Africa, from, Eng from England, from some English countries because we need a person that speaks in English here to the young people. I took a time off from my work. I was appointed in Awqaf back then. I, went to, I came to Australia for three weeks. The committee of the mosque, mashallah, from Adil Salman back there, the Umar oh, Salman and yes. Ahmed Yusuf and all these yes. nice brothers, mashallah, they were in charge. And they saw how I even told them, please don't judge my English now. You know, I'm, I'm still taking it seriously to work on that. But they said to me, what are you going to offer for the young people here? We have young people here and identity is one of the main issues that we deal with. Mm. So I went to the mosque, we had a plan and they were happy for me to be back, enjoy them. I had my visa and I came back to the mosque and I met my wife, even the f in the three weeks that I came here. I met Raheem, that's was what, what's going to be on the documentary with SBS next month, inshallah, how we met. So I met Raheem here uh, as a Muslim. I never even knew what a Muslim sister in a Western country would look like. Allah. When she came in her hijab and when Sheikh Abnas told me that she's memorizing Quran, I was really surprised to see that example here. Alhamdulillah, yani our community is so rich with many Muslim sisters amen, amen, that are worthy of, of, of knowing about them and supporting them here, mashallah. So I started from there and uh, Reem and I got engaged and I spoke to her about my vision. She shared that vision with me. Allah. And that's the important, important thing of having a person that is sharing vision with you. It makes even the marriage stronger. 100%. When you share with your wife the goals of life, then your marriage becomes very strong because you both work on the same goal. And what a great goal when that goal is linked to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and connected with Allah. So yeah, so I came to Australia, Allah. started from there. Allah better fi Sheikh Abdul Nasser. Barakallah, Sheikh Abdul Nasser. Put your mic up for you. Even after you did the resume and gave it to him, you never thought you were going to no. get in. And then no. in your hash trip. That's why I traveled yeah. to Saudi. Oh, wow. When I got the offer from there, I traveled to Saudi. Not thinking or not even waiting for anything from Sheikh Abdul Nasser or the mosques here or this country that I don't, uh, that I don't know anything about. And both nasibs were here. Yes, yeah, subhanAllah. For you to be married exactly. here and exactly. to be the exactly. imam. So I arrived to Australia on the Christmas day of 2014. Christmas day. <laughs> Christmas day. I came, arrived at the airport at night. <laughs> when um, I was picked up from the airport, 
I, I, I just, I was just surprised to see, first of all, it's summer. It was winter in Egypt. Yes. To see a different weather. Mm. It was raining on that night. So I, I, I expected it to be winter. But next day I woke up with 35 degrees. So I didn't even know that it was summer here. <laughs> and I woke up with that weather of, of summer here and empty country, almost empty country. No one's in the, in, in the streets. And I said, are these people alive? Are these people here? So I started asking questions. And from that moment that I started life here, I put my goals. I said, what should I achieve here? And I remember even the first class that I went to was with Sheikh Bilal Asad to year 12. And that was, the topic was about the challenges that are facing young Muslims in Western countries at uni, at university. I went with Sheikh Bilal to um, year 12 class and the Sheikh Bilal said to me, this is a topic. I said, Sheikh Bilal, I didn't even study here. The challenges that I've been through at uni are totally different from the ones that are here. Can you talk about this topic this time? And I will do my own homework and come back with that topic. And that also inspired me to go to university students and Islamic associations in, Islam, in universities here in Victoria. Mm. So I went to Vic Uni, Monash Uni, Melbourne Uni, and started engaging with young people there to know what they go through of challenges. Allah. And then we'll talk about that. See, when you, when, when you are exposed <clears throat> and when you put in your mind what you would like to work on, that will make you move from your area of comfort and do some work so that you can increase your knowledge and talk about that. Yeah. Same thing with politics, marriage, social and, and, and community topics. We would never know how to address our young people until we, we listen to them mm. and we know what they go through to give them back the answers for that. Yeah. So take us through some accolades. So take us through some... Uh so, mashallah, in nine years, what you've been, you've been awarded with the uh, Australian, Honorary Australian Honorary Medal. Again, we need to know that when we are acknowledged for our work, it is something that is putting more responsibility on us. 100%. One more thing is we need to do that with our own Muslims. It's so sad that sometimes when we have a Muslim that won an award, or achieved in something and got recognized sometimes by non-Muslim organizations. And we as Muslims do not give them enough of celebration mm. and we highlight them. That's why even when I go sometimes to the Victoria Multicultural Commission events and I see Muslims I've never met before. I've never heard about them before. I, I, I would even hardly doubt that they are engaging with a mosque to give their knowledge mm. that they have excelled in to the Muslim community. And I see them on newspapers, celebrated by non-Muslim organizations and non-Muslim brothers and sisters. And I say, we need to do something for them too. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I go there, I've met people that are excelling in the area of disability, education, all areas that I can imagine. And from there, we know those examples and we invite them to talk at our mosques. And even we invite them to be celebrated by our, pe our people at the mosque. So in, in, in 2000, in 2020, you know, I've been running the mosque open day, even before the Victoria mosque open day, through the Al-Siddiq mosque. It was even done before the Victoria mosque open day that, that is done by ICV, may Allah bless them. So now it's a Victoria mosque open day rather than individual mosques yeah. that are running that. We were doing that before. We used to go to send the invitation in the mailbox to our non-Muslims in the area. We get them together. We sit together. We let them know about who we are, what is our message? 
What are the misconceptions? We show them a video about the Prophet Sallallahu who has been mocked and accused of so many things that are not true by some Western writers and Western media, and we teach them about the Prophet. And believe it or not, some, some people that came even, you can feel the tension. Mm. You can feel the anger mm. in the way they talk and uh, about what Islam says. I can sometimes had to deal with a person that has a list of questions that are all taken from internet. Yeah. And that person is so angry to, 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 to answer, to, to ask that question because he doesn't agree with all of that. And then when you clarify that this is a misconception, this is not right, this is not what Islam says even. Mm. These people, you see the, the, the relief in the, on their faces first and their hearts and they say, can I come again? And wallahi al-azim, the number of non-Muslims that attend Jumas with us. Some people, I've seen them crying when they listen to what Islam talks about elders and people of disability and care to, that we should give to elders. We see them crying. How many media agencies that came and they have films at the mosque about Ramadan and our traditions and what Muslims believe in and our values that we practice. So that is making a change. And in 2020, um, we got the uh, Premier's Award for Community Harmony. And subhanAllah, this automatically, automatically participates and contributes to harmony in our community because when you have a person that has a lot of misconceptions, we had Christ Church. Yes, yes. Oh. And a lot of misconceptions were in the heart of that person. A lot of hate a lot of Islamophobic beliefs. And when we become the reason for a person like that to, to, to answer his questions that he has, I'm sure that we will, we will minimize that mm. Islamophobic. We're putting out the fire. Exactly. We have t- taken this seriously. And 2020, you know, the Victorian Multicultural Commission communicated me and they said, uh, look, for that great work of the Moscow Open Day, we acknowledge that it has been, there's a lot of uh, outcomes of, of that uh, activity. One of the newspapers has written about that as well. And that guy was an atheist, uh, Conrad Marshall. He's a very nice brother. He no. came to the mosque and attended that and he wrote an article about uh, Allah, not as an imam, he came to my house, saw me helping my wife, uh, playing soccer, going to the school. An imam is not, is, not, is not an angel. An imam is a person in the community that is living their lives, he's a human being. An imam in the community is a person that should be engaged with the activities of young people and the activities of the community. An imam in the community is a person that should be sometimes, you know, taking the thawb and the hat <laughs> and participating with young people in a soccer game. So that's what, what is bringing young people yeah. around the imam. So um, it was recognized and, uh, and they told me that, okay, you got the Premier's Award. And on that night, it was during covid so they put it on th- uh, Channel 31. And they're recognizing people for the bushfires and their support and everything. And the Premier's Award was the last one. And then I found the Premier, Dan Andrews, back then, talking about why. Was a very, not, honestly, I didn't even know what he would say. I've never met him before. SubhanAllah. I don't know anything about him. I just met him once in Bendigo when we had the Mosque of Bendigo and there was a lot of protests. Yes. And I went to Bendigo in the church. Great community in Bendigo of non-Muslims. Amazing. In the church with the priest, we had an event. We raised money for the mosque. <laughs> <laughs> so he was there. And when, he, when, when we were uh, like launching stage one of the mosque, he was there and we just met once. And I never know anything about him. He came on TV and he said, the mosque open day. 
And what really made me happy is when he said he's uh, responsible for initiating interfaith events and and mosque open day that is opening the hearts of the non-Muslims to their Muslim brothers and sisters. Wow. I said, alhamdulillah, that we have become the reason for someone to open their hearts to us mm. and understand about us. Yeah. So that's a good thing, alhamdulillah. Allah, and, um, you know, the awards, I don't like to talk about them as, as, as a way of... Yeah, but, it's just but, more celebrating. Yes, than, yes. Than, than, than. And also the Order of Australia, when it's recognizing the services for the Islamic faith or the Muslim community and also multiculturalism. Amazing. You know, multiculturalism, the Prophet ﷺ is the first one that practiced that when he went to the society of Medina with non-Muslims with him. And he had that integration and harmony with people, putting the rules of respecting the beliefs of people and the places of worship and the sacredness of the lives of the human being, regardless of, of, of what religion they practice. We say we link that to Islam. Every talk. Mm. And in my Safra brothers, I go wearing my Islamic uniform and talking there with, with the imam uniform because I take this as, a, an, as an Islamic message, not Allah's views, yes, yes. not the Muslim community's views. It's the views of Islam yeah. that is telling us to live in harmony with people. And um, I, this inspires a lot of young people too. When we talk to them, we say, Ya Shabab, yani you need to present your akhlaq and your deen and your manners and put that in action with people through any area of work and knowledge that you are uh, mm. working at. So alhamdulillah. Can you, can you take us through the journey of landing in down under? Mm-hmm. Is it is it all that you expected? Uh, were you shocked with the cultural Islam compared yeah. to the real Islam? Were you, were you concerned about the, you know, I've spoken mm. to some shukha in relation mm. to, you know, Islamic questions that you've probably never been questioned yes. in Egypt about yes, definitely. in Australia. Yeah. Did you, did you, did, how was that journey? How was, yeah. how was that culture shock? And Barakallah, Fik, very, very important question. And I think the majority of imams that came from overseas, we all had that culture shock. Culture shock in terms of the, even, I've always read that verse of the Quran. I say it even when I give the talk about marriage. To know in Australia that we have people from more than 200 nationalities, and you see that verse in front of you. Yeah. That's the first time Allah. I see that verse Shu'uban wa qaba'i Nations In one country and, and you're coming to one of the most multicultural countries in the world And you see those nationalities in front of you And in one place You could have 10 nationalities Of a, a small gathering <laughs> Small gathering ten, uh, ten Some gatherings we have four, five hundred people Coming from 50 or 60 backgrounds mm. I never reflected On some verses of the Quran As much as I did when I moved to Australia that's something that the Australian journey added to me. Some verses of the Quran that I understood them in a Muslim country context. But when you go to a non-Muslim country context, it's different. It's more broader for you to understand that verse of the Quran or the hadith of Prophet And that took me more to dedicate a series of talks about identity and what it means to be Australian, what it means to be Muslim. And what are the verses that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed to the Prophet in circumstances where he was living with the non-Muslims with him and what he ordered the Prophet to do in these circumstances. The culture shock also um, in terms of the, uh, so that's, uh, that's in terms of understanding the religion. Mm. You start to have a different way of thinking how you put that verse or that text of, the, of, of Islam in, in, in action with the Muslims. And the other one is the, the, the Muslim cultures. We, also, we always had the Egyptian culture. 
but coming to deal with the Lebanese, Turkish, <laughs> Albanian, uh, you know, um, uh, Bangladeshi, Sri Lankan, <laughs> very different, very different. Yeah, everyone, from, everyone brings a different spice. That's exactly. Thing. Everyone is bringing different <laughs> spice. And, and, and the thing is, sometimes when, when you see even, subhanAllah, the wisdom of every culture, and how, how Islam is coming to embrace all these cultures, then you will finally know, yes, this is indeed the creation of Allah. That's why when we're reading these verses, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ From the signs that show the greatness of Allah, خَلْقُ النَّاسِ أَنْ خَلَقَكُمْ مِنْ تُرَابِ And that differentiation that we have and how Islam embrace all the people, all the people and their cultures, you see, subhanAllah, this is the wisdom of Allah to create them with different races and colors and backgrounds and languages, but Allah has embraced them all in Islam to be brothers and sisters in Islam. Allah. So that's that's the, 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 the great thing that I, I enjoy seeing and that's why I also Mashallah. enjoy marriages. When I see people from different cultures are getting married. Mashallah, you've married a lot it's, of people it's, it's, in Melbourne. I, I, I love Allah it, Allah. Allah. I love it because, because that union that is happening between two cultures that are different in their practices, in their way they deal with, with their people, and Islam is 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 unifying and, and, and creating that harmony between them. So Alhamdulillah, Islam is that region that is creating harmony between Muslims and non-Muslims. Yeah. And Alhamdulillah, through the iftars of Ramadan, there are many people. I always talk about Mark Holland when the month of Ramadan comes. Mark Holland is a Canadian parliamentarian who has been fasting with Muslims for five years now, the whole month. And see, when we talk about Ramadan, I've always spoken about Ramadan, so that you may be conscious of God. But I never spoke about Ramadan in terms of a, a person that is appreciating food and drink that we have in Australia and many other blessings that we have. Oh this is what Mark Holland did. He attended one iftar, like many politicians that attend iftars with us. And he was there with the Muslims. He's about to break his fast, fasted one day. And in that iftar, he said, I just closed my eyes and reflected upon that day of hunger and thirst. And I have very nice food that is waiting for me. And the Sheikh said, you guys appreciate, one of the wisdoms of Ramadan is to appreciate the blessings that we have, the food and drink. Amen. And Mark Holland said <clears throat> that, Mark Holland decided to save, to fast the whole month of Ramadan and to save the money by which he's buying food and drink for the entire day and to donate that in the end of the month. Amen. He was told that we have Zakatul Fitr, Mark. And we do the same thing in Zakatul Fitr. We give that sadaqah for the poor people, to the poor people in the, in the month of Ramadan as well. So Mark Holland has been fasting for five years, subhanAllah, <laughs> without being a Muslim so far. <laughs> and he, he believes in the value of fasting. <laughs> There's a value of praying, fasting, performing hajj, giving zakah, all the, alhamdulillah, the rituals of Islam that we practice. <laughs> and we need through young people to be able to talk about that. What are the values of what you practice? And in, in, ter in a way that non-Muslims would also understand it, not just Muslims, because that message has not come just for Muslims. It is also for non-Muslims. And when we are choosing the area or the value that we can convey to our non-Muslim brothers and sisters, they would believe in that as a value at least to practice in their life. Yeah. I would love to know your definition of success. What, what, what does success mean to you? Like, okay. you know, we haven't... Uh, Still, don't, we want to know who this man yeah, is. Yeah, you know? yeah. khair, wallahi ahmad. success is uh, making changes always. Make sure that everywhere you go, you have an impact on the people that you are with, even for a few seconds. You know what I'm doing is when I walk in the city of Melbourne, I just take some water bottles with me. 
two, at least, in my two hands. And sometimes when I wear my Azhari Islamic uniform with um, two meter height, <laughs> there's no way that people would not look and stare at you. Yeah. <laughs> so I go there. Sometimes I have a 10 minute walk and everybody's looking. I'm just stopping uh, at the um, traffic light waiting to cross the road. And it happens to have a non-Muslim brother or sister next to me. And then I hand it to them. I always remember that little guy that made Idris Tawfiq become a Muslim. So success to me is making a change always and trying to um, to like innovate in the field that you are working in. Innovate, of course, in a good way, not a bid'ayani, in a bad way. But innovate. <laughs> Don't take it out of context, no? people. <laughs> and, 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 and bring a new idea of, of, of the place of work, to the place of work or the area that you're working at. So, for example, we have been using the mosque as a hub for Muslims and non-Muslims to come together. How many interviews that we've done, we, we, we finished a documentary at the mosque about marriage. SBS came and filmed about our congregation, about how we talk about marriage in our community. So it's like a hub for everyone to know about Islam. Not only a place of worship, just some salah and we'll go home. How we can change um, and, and, and come with an innovation. Can you, can you give us a story <clears throat> on, 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 a, on a difficult situation <clears throat> you felt? Yeah. Can you give me a story that, you know, that you're, you're doing the best you can, you're smiling, yeah. you're being the best Muslim example and yeah. it still hasn't worked. Like, yes. can you give us an ex- a situation? I, yes, of course, I can give you that. And, and the lives of imams are full of um, challenges and hardships. One of the challenges was um, actually the uh, mosque open day in when the Christchurch happened, when the Christchurch incident happened. It was on Friday we suddenly found police coming to the mosque, surrounding the mosque, and they said there's like shooting in, in two mosques in New Zealand and we're just coming here to make people feel safe. And um, we didn't know what to say. We just said everyone tried to... Uh, people started panicking because everybody started searching what's, what's going on. Allah. And we had during the speech, the khutbah, even the police to tell people that something is happening, so everyone was panicking. This was an open <clears throat> day? was Friday. Oh, Friday, Friday prayer. 19th of March. Friday prayer. 19, yeah. So when Christchurch was happening, the weekend uh, uh, straight after that on Sunday was the mosque open day. Mm. So ICV mosque said, no, we need to, um, to put that on hold. Muslims are not even feeling comfortable to come to the mosque. Wow. They are scared. And then we, we, with such an important event like this, Sometimes you are waiting for this event to deliver your message. Yeah, yeah. And then the Islamic Council, alhamdulillah, and decided to go ahead with the event. We said if we have five, six people of the non-Muslims who would leave their houses and come to the mosque knowing that there's a person that went and killed everybody there, would be lucky to do that. Allah. And on that day, we turned to have the largest number of the history of the mosque open day. I immediately when, that, when I saw the number of non-Muslims coming with flowers, it took us like the whole day to remove the flowers from, from the mosque after people came in with, with flowers, coming in tears, and they say, we apologize for that. We non-Muslims don't believe in that. I immediately called the local media. I said, you guys need to show this. This is a very good message because sometimes we talk a lot mm. about, about what Islam says about non-Muslims and the goodness and the kindness in the hearts of people. And that's what we see for Palestine now. No. See the thousands of people that are going in rallies and protests. Amen. It is a reflection on the kindness in the hearts of people. Amen. And when we saw that happened in, in the mosque open day event, we had to show that to our community. I've been dealing with 
some some of the, the the Muslim community members who are really in support of that message of bringing non-Muslims to the mosque. I I sometimes had had some of like, yani, hard moments to deliver that message. Mm. Some some people have been affected by the, the incidents that happen in Muslim countries. When you see, unfortunately, sometimes some Western countries have failed the values of their uh, countries, I mean. of what they practice, of what they do, of the concept of justice and freedom, and and some people were were were, were saying, Sheikh, what's the point of doing that? Mm. I say, Shabab, there is always a positive thing of engaging, at least when you are not telling them the values that you practice and they start practicing that with you like Mark Holland yeah. who fasted the month of Ramadan at least you will refute the misconception that they have yeah. and that resulted in thousands of people sharing wow. the rallies with us in the streets even more than Muslims that are coming Allah. more numbers of non-Muslims that are attending the rallies more than the Muslims in the streets of, of Melbourne so we always have to work on the is hearts that, of people is that really that, what you're <clears throat> describing to me is Ihsan is Ihsan you yes, are really you, you are really describing yes. Ihsan because yeah. what made me fall in love with our deen yeah. was the story of the Prophet Sallallahu being in in Mecca and the, on the Kaaba and we know that he's praying and his uncle mm. I think it was his uncle came and poured yeah. yes. Uh, yes. guts or yes. rotten guts on yes. him yes. and his daughter was with him yes. and the Rasulullah finished his prayer yes. and then his daughter cursed yes. And then when the Rasul reprimanded his daughter yes. and not saying anything to the man that yes. actually persecuted yes. him, yeah. it was a profound moment for me. Yeah. That this that the, the beloved was able to control his yes. his emotion and his yeah. his his situation yeah. Yeah. to really reprimand his daughter for cursing mm. the man. Yeah. Yes, because this is not the way we are. This yes. is not the, this is not the people we yeah. are. You've yeah. actually allowed True. him to win. True. Yeah. So that that story resonates. Yes. That you that the, you're course. working constantly on that ihsan to be the best Allah you can Ibrahim. be. You know, there is a lot that Islam has given us to give to people, and I always read that verse: "Wa ma arsalnaka illa rahmat al-'alamin." Allah Subhanahu has sent Prophet Sallam as a mercy to all mankind. Allah. What is my role here? Am I going to keep that message within two, two three percent of the Muslims, within two three percent of the Muslims, <laughs> and keep it from seventy nine? Uh, 797% of, 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 of the non-Muslims that are living with us. We have a lot of them that have a lot of goodness in their hearts. Amen. We just need to, 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 to turn that goodness <laughs> on in their hearts and yeah. tell them about their values and the good things that we practice and what we believe in, and you will find them immediately participating with Amen. you. Moscow Open Day, they came. In Palestine, hard situation that we have now, they came and they Amen. keep supporting. I'm going to Castle Maine on the weekend and places like Bendigo and Castle Maine, where you hardly even have a Muslim that is living there. Yeah. Every week there is a rally for Palestine. They organize events. They collect donations for Palestinian people. This is the goodness that we would love to see and work and invest in all Amen. the time. And inshallah we'll have a good outcome of that always. Alhamdulillah, I think, uh, mashallah, we've been going for... <laughs> 300 people got into the course of Azhar. Yeah. 60 graduated. Yeah. Only three made it overseas, where it was focused to get people overseas. Yeah. How did you do it? Yeah. It's, um, it is actually the, 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 the goal that you believe in. I've always believed that I need to be in one of those countries to deliver my message. So the goal that you believe in and insisting on achieving that goal, even though I told you about even uh, the, 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 the story of coming to Australia, it wasn't a time when I was almost given up. 
what 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 I would do to come to a Western country to share my message with the vast majority of non-Muslims. So it's believing in that goal, believing that when you are sincere enough with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first and what you want to achieve, and how noble is that goal that you would like to share with people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, will always give you that support. So um, when I when I uh, graduated, I didn't even know where, I'm gonna, where, where am I going to go to, which country that is going to adopt my message and bring me there. So um, again, when, when the, the, the cause is noble and the message is, is to educate about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his religion, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you that success. There will be times of giving up. There will be times of um, thinking that you cannot make it. But as more or the much or the more you believe in that goal that you can achieve, and and putting an effort to make it happen, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will grant you that goal, inshallah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So that's that's. Um, Do you think your intentions changed from you finished your studies? Definitely, intentions are changing for other goals that can be achieved. So the intention for me was just coming to. I could have been to a, a mosque that what they aim for is just uh, me leading some salah and teaching some Qur'an, which is a great and noble cause. But the vision of the mosque made me put and add more intentions for in the work that I'm doing. So the intention of delivering the message of Islam is already there, but how to, how to reach out to a larger number of people, how to not keep that message within 2.3% of the Muslims, but share it with the vast majority of the non-Muslims in Australia, that is, um, that was a great motive for me, and 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 I love to do this as well. I love to show people the real character of of the sheikh. And I've been always talking about this. I go to play soccer with with the young people a lot. I go to the Melbourne Victory Games, having my tracksuit. I even joined the ambassadors, uh, team of ambassadors at the Melbourne Victory because of seeing me there and knowing about my message. And then they said, we don't have a Muslim representative wow. in our teams of ambassadors to be with us. So uh, sometimes when you engage in some social and community activities, people need you there to educate about yourself and your community and your religion. So um, we, on a daily basis, we engage with people. I go, I don't dress like this uh, usually. I go to the shopping, I go play soccer with the young people. I attend community events that are you know, relevant to sports, uh, relevant to um, uh, sometimes uh, art, and, and all these activities that are attracting young people to be with them. Mm. And when we get out of that garment of the sheikh mm. and look like people, especially our youth, our Muslim youth, who would like to see the sheikh as a person that looks like them, mm. rather than the sheikh with the hat and the garment and talking Islamic all the time in terms of the uh, topics and messages, but sharing some activities with them. I have seen sometimes that even when you play soccer games with young people, they would come to us in a larger number than those who would come for a lecture. So sometimes we need to engage with... How does that feel to be... It, it's automatically sometimes becomes two personalities. Yeah. How, how does that feel? How do, you, how do you struggle with that? How You know, we, we've heard of the Imam Ghazali's, you know, becoming yeah. at the highest peak of, of, yeah. of, of yeah. jurisprudence and, yeah. and then leaving that and, and finding their deen and, you know, understanding that, you know, I don't want to be known too much or I don't yes. want to, you know for the wrong reasons yes, yes. that's all internal struggles yeah yeah how yeah. do you how, how do you how do you combat that sheikh well, no? well, how do you combat being mm-hmm. a sheikh and, and mm-hmm. being yeah. you know the best of examples yeah. and then just being a human well ibrahim yani we need to to put in our mind as sheikhs as well that this is what it is about to be a sheikh you, you are mainly 
you know, if the message of Rasulullah was just for him as a prophet, he was engaging with people on a daily basis and, and they see his life and they see how he treats with people and they see his practice. So um, I, I do not like to um, show that style of a sheikh as a former person as much as I show it as an informal person. Mm. Going to events and going here and there and showing people our practice as we, we are like them and they are like us. And, 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 and getting the sheikhs even to community events and engaging more with more community, people will know more about you. It will establish more trust between you and your community. It will send a message to the young people that if Sheikh Ala is the one that is going to play soccer and do this and that, I can seek knowledge like him. I can be a scholar like him. I can, uh, you know, uh, engage in community events like him. So it is removing all these barriers, whether psychological barriers and, and, and the, the, the titles barriers of an imam. People always think of an imam, for example, that he's a person that is, you know, 24-7 on the books, 24-7 <laughs> at the mosque. Now, I think our messages can be um, also shared with the community. We can do a lot of messages and a lot of engagement with our young uh, members of the community and the community members in, in different ways other than talks and topics and lectures, and that will attract young people more. Allahumma yeah. barik. Yeah. I just want to touch on one more base, inshallah. Sure. Just take us through some struggles, mm. the struggles of, you know, hearing the domestic Mm. Violent problems. Yeah, hearing you know the you know situations in our community that are really mm. you know you know as as a, as a police officer they say you know if you're in the game long enough you 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 hate yeah. to yeah. be a yeah. police officer because of yeah. all all the things they see. Yeah, yeah. How does that feel to be that engaged into the community and you know see all these things that are happening in our community and yeah. really have no real power to change besides yeah. give some good advice? Yeah. How, how, how do you how do you yeah. deal with that? How, what do you do to to not go insane and yeah. stay motivated? You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yes, yes. I, especially in the field of imams that are giving in terms of mental health, um, Islamic knowledge, dealing with problems. I, I will take you back even even before that when I was um, young or a teenager that is starting that journey with with the Islamic knowledge. Sometimes I was even um, going through financial challenges. I remember that time when I had to pay to go to some classes, when I had to work in during the summer holidays to save money to be enrolled in an English course to study because there's no English courses there that, that, that are really um, of a good standard. So you have to work hard for three months to have one level in, in the English language in one of the good places. So sometimes um, the challenges that we go through in our life shapes your character, makes you appreciate and when you move to a society like Australia, I always have to remember what, I, what I've been through. Oh. Allah, remember, you are Allah that didn't have a car in Egypt, now you have a car. You are Allah that was struggling to have an English course, now you can be enrolled in, 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 in a whole university course without even paying for that. So um, the, the challenges that I've been through there in Egypt are different from the ones that I have been here. Even some of the challenges that I had in Egypt, and we were like very simple and basic family. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changed our life because of Quran. My mom tells me that. I was a normal person, that Allah changed my life because of Quran. I was a normal person, that Allah changed my life because of Quran as well. And when I came here to Australia, I reflected upon these challenges and what my family has been through to appreciate what I have here and work on taking advantage of every blessing that Allah has given here 
to serve my message and my religion. Mm. When I came to Australia, as I said, imams are getting used a lot in terms of the work that we have to do. There is no day that is passing without 20 phone calls, 30 messages that you have to reply. And sometimes because you give here and there, there is no time for yourself. Yeah. There is no time to debrief. You need to debrief of, of the load that you have uh, after I started counseling. I've known that there is a time for me to, to take off and mm. to debrief to someone. That's why I, 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 I try even to have that time so that I can be able to give others. I have to give myself first. And I was actually not aware of that when I came to Australia. I was about to be burnt out mm. when I am here and there, going here and there, talking and there, and I don't give myself my right. I gained weight. I gained a lot of weight when I came because I stopped exercising. I stopped playing. I stopped even playing the soccer game that I love to play always. And I, I, I started having some uh, health issues. And then when I said, I heard that person that told me one day, you need to know how to, you need to, know how to say no. Mm, yeah. And you need to organize the time. You need to turn off your phone at a certain time so that you can be strong enough in the next day to give to others. And that's also something that I was not paying attention to. Sometimes you are passionate and eager to give ultimately without even paying attention to yourself and yeah. what you need as a person. And I've known some of my colleagues that have also got in that stage of burning out and they had to pull out from the whole field. So to keep going, I'm, I'm sure that the majority of the imams went through that. A lot yeah. of busy um, schedule that we have. And if we don't give ourselves that time again. So I had, I've been through that. And mm. I took advantage of the COVID <laughs> lockdown actually mm. to start my, yes, so reviewing two, two my diet. The, yeah. Yes, my diet and my, um, you know, exercise and my training and I, I used to have that walk within the five kilometers every day so that I can, and I started feeling a big difference. Mm. And that's also with the routine that we have in our life. Routine is an important thing for us in terms of health, routine of, of, of ibadah, routine of, of time that we spend with our family. In your routine is, is, is really good when you are consistent with that if you're trying to keep yourself you know, um, consistent with that with that routine in, in a positive way. So, um, yeah, subhanallah, that's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Many, many yeah, challenges. Well, I've heard I've heard subhanallah so many so many like even like in in the younger days even hearing how so many shiukha were getting phone calls at three a.m. Yeah. and 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 when do you turn off? And you don't turn off ever. Yeah. You don't turn off. And no. then it's like it's no. like and no. some people take that take that with them because yeah. it becomes a burden. Yeah. Um, I'm telling you, I know some of my colleagues who have you know stopped because they, you, can't, they, have, can't, they can't give more. Have you ever wanted to give up? Uh, I sometimes, because of the challenges that I go through, I, uh, in terms of so much load of negativity, people don't come to us when they're happy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, people come to us they're, when they're... They're coming when, even when, with when, the negativity when, of the wedding. Exactly. <laughs> Sheikh, no, I took a second wife. No. <laughs> people don't come to us to share good news. They're always coming with something that is bothering them and, and annoying them, and they ask questions. So sometimes when you have that load of negative stories, of course, the hardships that people go through have to be hard. Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't even complain. Exactly. So when they come with that load of, of, of emotions and, and negativity and, and hardships in their lives and they put it on you, in front of you, 
and I finish with one person, the other one comes. And you listen to 20 stories a day. Allah. Sometimes you go home and you say, oh, you will be definitely affected by that. Yeah. With so your, with how do you talk to yourself for that? With your wife, with your family. It, it, it's got two ways. The first one of them is to be trapped by the amount of information that you received. And that is affecting you in a negative way. Or you will appreciate that you're not in that position and you have to help. The na'mah. The na'mah that you have. You know, Ahmed, this is something that I took from family arbitration and family problems and couples problems. I tell my wife, I would love you more when I have a problem from someone. <laughs> Because I, alhamdulillah, appreciate the way you deal with me in a way that a person was never dealt with Allah, by his wife. Allah. And I, I would do my best more with you. So I don't hurt you like when I heard the sister coming to cry because of what her husband is doing to her. Sometimes we don't know the impact of the goodness that we do or the bad thing that we may do until we see a person that is praising the goodness that was done to them or the bad thing that happened to them. That's why I read that advice one day um, from a mother to her son. who say, uh, She said to him, Um, yani, um, the, the, the brief meaning of that don't hurt people with, with your words because you do not know how that hurts until people hurt you with, with their words as well so sometimes I never paid attention to even sometimes a word that a man would say to his wife and that would hurt her until I listened to the sister talking to me about that I Allah. said really that, that really hurts Allah. so to the extent that Allah. she cried it created a family problem and that gives me The, 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 um, the, um, the knowledge to know that such a simple word would hurt. So when I address my brothers, <laughs> after that, I'll say, hey, brothers, be careful from that. Where your word there. Exactly. exactly. And, then, and then even you start to learn about the uh, psychology of, of, of the wife or the man mm. in, in certain situations and stages of their life, especially in marriage. Sometimes we don't pay attention to something until we see, and you always know that uh, statement that you would never appreciate what you have until you lose it. Lose it. Yes. And you see others lose it too, you start to appreciate yes. it. So that is what is adding to me. That is so, what is keeping me moving forward. So When appreciation. I that's, that's appreciation. So, so, so you, have, you have a very appreciation. You have str strong sense of appreciation. Appreciation is something that is, because if I don't appreciate, I cannot talk about everything that I yeah. have. I do not have the time I do not have the time to debrief sometimes yes I have my friends and colleagues who are psychologists and counselors even sometimes I tell my wife Reem listen sit with me I want to just talk to you about what I've been through I heard that story and I had that story and had that story Reem's is Reem is contributing a lot to me she says yes we, we, you should have done that you should have done this and sometimes she's just listening to me Yeah. and sometimes I don't have the time to do that When I go to sleep and the end of that hard day of listening to sad stories, I say, Alhamdulillah, that Allah has not tested me with that. Amen. And Alhamdulillah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me the opportunity to listen to the struggles of people. So I appreciate what I have. Allah. You know, Ahmed and Ibrahim, I just came from Egypt two, 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 two and a half months ago. Sometimes because of leaving the blessings here in Australia and having a lot, sometimes you even wish for more. Allah. <laughs> I took that trip to Egypt and Reem came with me, my wife and my kids. Yes. And we went there and uh, my wife started seeing. I, I, consider it, I consider it even as, as, as 
a minor hajj. You know hajj? Yes. The big Allah, that we, have. we had the same experience. A minor hajj when you go visit poor countries and, Allah, and, 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 and countries that do not have the blessings that we have. I went with my wife. People there in the streets are asking for money. People in hard situation. People do not even have houses. And, and then we come back with a lot of appreciation and gratitude for what we have here. I mean, Sometimes the, 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 the expectation of you to increase <laughs> what you have of luxury goes down. And you take, you know, take it easy. Alhamdulillah for what you have. And, and then you start to appreciate what you have in, in this country and, and take advantage of that Ameen. to serve the good purposes that you have in life. Ameen. You know, materialistic life, I've been talking about that at the mosque. And when we are trapped by materialism, it's really hard to get out of that. A lot of our Islam is based on beliefs and faith. Faith does not come only by words. It's also through experiences that you have to go through to take the lesson. And this is the whole purpose of test in life. Sometimes Ahmad and Ibrahim will read about the test and the hardships that we face. But we never learn and take a lesson until we get tested and become in that experience of the test. Then we will learn the, the aim of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of having a test in our life. I've been reading about appreciation and gratitude. Okay, and uh, when I moved to Australia, I appreciated what I have in Egypt. But my journey and my trip to Egypt after I lived in Australia was much different from before when I came to Australia. So gratitude and appreciation that I invite so many of my young brothers and sisters, go visit Somalia, go visit your country where your parents were born and raised. Go visit these poor places. Be part of an aid mission through one of the charity organizations. Amen. You will really know how much we have here in Australia and you will start to appreciate and work on taking advantage of the blessings that we have here. I think uh, thank you for sharing this beautiful finish the podcast on uh, I am statement inshallah we always uh, end our podcast on an I am statement but before you give your I am statement I just want to invite all our guests amazing guests uh, that are watching this podcast Mm. to please follow and prescribe because without your following a prescription it's harder for us to produce these episodes Mm. so please follow and like and share please also if you have any commentary any questions you want to ask Sheikh Haleh more than happy to get them answered for you. Just put them in the comments section and we will send them through to him and get you answered, inshallah. And also, if you have any guests that uh, you'd like us to, inshallah, to interview, to, to interview you know? please. And so that's the aim of the podcast. It's about sharing our stories with our brothers and sisters and, yeah. and getting them to know our brothers and sisters in, in this community. Yeah. So on that note, we'd love to end our episode of yeah. this success story of yeah. Sheikh Haleh yeah. with an I am statement. So Sheikh Haleh, I yeah. am. I am a person that will never stop reaching out to the people who do not know about the beautiful message of Islam so that they would learn about it and know how great it is, inshallah. Allah khair. Thank you for sharing inshallah. your amazing journey. Uh, I absolutely enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, really, there's so many jewels in there that inshallah we'll Might have to get Rahim. you back and dissect it. Wallahi, yani, I, <laughs> I have to conclude also by thanking you a lot. Um, I've known you in community as people that are making a change. And I would also have another statement of I am. I am a person that believes in making a change. And, um, you know, we are nothing if we, all, if we are not aiming to make a change Amen. always. Amen. So I've known you as people that are making a change. May Allah reward you for that. Allah and that podcast that is also a, a, a different podcast from the other po- podcasts that I've been to is a change that you guys have made. Allah May Allah reward you, especially dealing with our youth and taking care of them and promoting for 
youth engagement through your podcasts and activities. May Allah reward you and may Allah grant your success and prosperity always, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.